Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the parish pastor at Trinity Eastside. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. Our reflection for this morning is going to come from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 to 7. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of people we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for the Bible, and we thank you that it has always been there. Through trial, tribulation, through war, and famine, plague, and pandemic, God, we thank you that it has always been there for your people to return to and to hear from you and to meet with you. And so, God, just today we, in the long line of your people, once again gather around this book and we ask for you to speak. We say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak, come and lead us, come and give us a vision of our life that is more deeply rooted in your love and more deeply connected to your Son through the Holy Spirit. We ask God that you would do this at this time. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, Paul is in this letter to the Thessalonian church. Uh, He is commending many things about their life, and he's also inviting them into what it means to be a Christian on a deeper level. Uh, And one of the ways he's doing that is he models for them. He he writes really early in this letter, as we just read, that that he himself uh, became a a model of sorts for this early church around what it meant to follow Jesus. And the thing that's so, I think, just wonderful about these letters is that they are, I mean, this is one of the oldest letters in the Bible. This is um, probably one of the first things written in, in the New Testament. And now, Nearly 21 centuries later, it comes to us, and it's it's still relevant for you and me as far as what does it mean to follow in the steps of Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ today? Because it's always been what it's about. So Paul gives in this letter, um, in this portion of this letter, what I would just say are like three marks of a life of following Jesus, and I just want to bring them out one at a time. Paul describes a prayer life that is constant, constant prayer. Now, lest we think Paul is just being melodramatic or hyperbolic, I think Paul really did actually have active in his life this sort of ongoing, constant, in the background, just always turning conversation with God. He also had appointed times where he would pray and go into a prayer closet and get on his knees or go to a synagogue. I mean, he also did all of that, but he... He just, there's a number of places in the New Testament where he just commends the church to be constantly praying. And I think that we can assume he's, he's being serious, that he has actually trained his body, his brain in such a way that he's able to keep it fixed on God, um, just sort of like throughout the day. And the thing is, is like your mind and my mind are always fixed on something in the background. Even, I mean, how often are you, have you like read a page of something and then you realize you, you didn't read a single thing? 
because your mind was somewhere else or you've been sort of at work but like your 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 mind's been been elsewhere um that that we are we all know what it's like to have our minds fixed on something even other than what's right in front of us sort of running on in the background and paul had just gotten to the place where he's like the thing that's always running in the background with me is that i'm just experiencing life through the lens of prayer or a better way to say this maybe is like i'm experiencing all of life through the lens of conversation with my father i just in every moment by moment, I'm just aware that God is there and he's with me and he's providing power for me and I can lean on that. One of the ways that the church has tried to live into this, and this comes really specifically out of like the Orthodox church, but the practice of breath prayer. And breath prayer is just a, it's, well, it's just a repeated prayer. So one of the most classic ones is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And as you inhale, you you kind of in, in your heart, with every inhale, you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And with every exhale, you say in your heart, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there's lots of breath prayers out there you can you could find if you went searching uh, for them. And again, it's the point of it is 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 what you're doing is you're training your 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 body to be praying at all times. You're training yourself to be constant. Like, it's like the door is always open to God. Like he's always in the room. So God isn't something I have to run to when I get scared or I don't know what to do. Like God is already there. I'm already conscious of God. And Paul, that was, that was his life. So he's just constantly thinking of the people and bringing them before the Lord because he's always in conversation with God. I was listening to this prayer seminar. I was attending like a prayer workshop out of a, a church in New York City that's led by uh, Pastor John uh, John Tyson, and he was giving a little talk at the beginning on on prayer. And at one point, he talked about what are the what are the traps that keep us from praying, and he gave three. One, he said, was the seasonality of our prayers. So we, um, you know, during during crises, our ramp our, our prayer life ramps up, and then like when uh, kind of things become normal again. It cools, and some of us have experienced that even in just this pandemic. It was easier maybe to pray at some times than another. Or he says there's the, there's the busyness trap, which is something that probably most of us can relate to. Just my life is cluttered and busy, and I don't have um, a lot of extra space, and prayer feels like it's always the easiest thing to scratch off the list because it doesn't feel super productive. It doesn't feel like it's going to actually really move any balls down the field, and I I got to keep going, and so I'm just too busy. I just have too much going on uh, to be to be praying. And then thirdly is the distraction trap, and that's just I, I live in a very noisy world. We all do, and you know, phone's always going off, and my phone is always next to me, or whatever it is that's that's pulling at you and distracting you. And he says these things are keeping the church. Um, the church's prayer life, uh, seasonally informed and busy and distracted. And, and then he summarized by saying, our enemy does not fear a seasonal, busy, distracted church, but an alert, sober-minded, prayerful church. Our enemy fears that. And the thing is, is like, I, I just hear this as an invitation from the Lord. Hearing Paul's or seeing Paul's model, he's just he's just acknowledging or he's, he's, he's opening for you and me an opportunity, an invitation. You and I have the ability to live with your with our minds fixed on God. And just imagine, just maybe some here's some imaginative work for you maybe later, but just what would that be like if if I just knew that God was always listening and he's my father's ear is always open and I don't have to do anything alone. And I, I wasn't trying to talk myself into things. I was actually going through life with 
okay, Father, let's, you know, like, here we go. We're going to walk into this together. So I'm just doing my day with God. Paul says the second thing uh, that is sort of a mark of this life with Christ, this Christian life, is the accompanying power. He says one of the ways that we know God is active in you is because our our words to you did not simply persuade you rationally or logically, but they actually came with power, with conviction, with the Holy Spirit. This is, for Paul, deeply important and central to what it means to be a Christian, to not simply have a rational assent to a doctrine, but a, an experience of power, of God's power moving through you through the Holy Spirit. In fact, at another point in the New Testament, he's writing to the, the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And there are some people, some teachers who have come into the church and they've begun to upset some of Paul's, the things that Paul taught and that the other apostles were saying. And, and these guys have come in and, and tried to undo some of it. And he is pretty upset about this. And he says in chapter 4, 19, he says, I'm going to come to you shortly if the Lord's willing. And then I'm going to find out not only what these people are saying, but what power they have. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I really love that. Paul is just, he is just laying out for us again and again in his letters that the beautiful vision of the New Testament was that we are receiving life and power from God through the Holy Spirit. It's fundamental. It's fundamental to what it means to be a Christian. And you might ask, like, well, I'm, I don't know if I really feel like I'm experiencing that. And I would just say, uh, you, we probably aren't experiencing it if we're not asking for it. You know, Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. And I, I just think, like, as Paul, as Paul models for us, there's a way of living in sort of ongoing, constant communication and conversation with, with God. Like, what might, what might be available for you and me? If I was day by day, moment by moment, drawing my breath, as it were, from Jesus and letting his life and love and power animate and energize me in my interactions with people, in my work, in my creativity, what might be available, what accompanying power might be present in my life this is fundamental to what it means to receive the work and the power and the person of the Holy Spirit as the mode and the means by which God is putting his power and authority into operation for this new world. And then finally, Paul gives the third. He says, and you became imitators of us and of God when you accepted what was before you. You accepted this word joyfully, even in tribulation, even in persecution. Which is just to say that um, even though what they were experiencing was very difficult all around them, even though circumstantially they were in a time of great distress, they were able to receive what God was giving to them at that moment through Paul, and they were able to receive it joyfully. You see, when my door is always open to God, there is an available power that enables me to receive what is before me with joy as from the Lord. That's not to say that I receive uh, COVID-19 as though God were were pouring it out on humanity. It's not to say that I, I receive like 
losing my job is like, well, God took my job from me. That's that's not the point of it. The point is, is to understand that God is, he wastes nothing. He's remarkably resourceful and that all things before me, even, dis, even in distress, all things can be received joyfully as gifts. Because whatever is happening right now, um, my father has not fallen asleep. Whatever is happening in this moment right now, my father has not fallen asleep. He is alert. He is awake. He is always working. And I, and I would honestly know that more if I was always in communion with him. But he is alert and awake and he is always working. He is right now turning all things to good. And so even in tribulation, I can receive this thing before me with joy. And what would that be like? You know, like what would that be like for you and me to just receive what is right before me right now with joy? Like, where would you, how would you do that? Can you force yourself into that? Can you just suddenly choose to become the sort of person who receives whatever is coming around the bend joyfully? Probably not. I probably can't do that. That's going to have to come. That's going to have to come with some help. That's going to have to come through the Spirit. And so may you find the way today, even just in little spurts and stops, to fix your mind on God and to remind yourself that he is there, that you are not alone, that you and I are not doing this by ourselves, that he is listening and present and active. And as I open myself to him and receive from him, may I experience his power and presence in life working through my body, that it would enable me to receive whatever is before me with joy. Grace and peace to you, friends. I hope you are well. I hope I see you soon.